Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. Today, we are so excited to bring on our friend, Catherine Perez. She is uh, someone that we recently met in real life and is such a sweet and kind person. But not only is she a sweet and kind person, she's also a registered dietitian. And so knowledgeable about all things plant-based food and how to get your vitamins and nutrients. So we wanted to bring her onto the show to talk about a vegan nutrition or plant-based nutrition 101. So this episode is for any of you who are newly stepping into this lifestyle or who have maybe been here for a while and need a little refresher or some inspiration to make sure that you're really getting all the nutrients that you need. We're going to go through all the different major nutrients uh, that you probably want to be paying attention to as a plant-based eater. And Catherine's like the perfect person to do it. She actually has the handle plant-based RD on Instagram. She posts amazing food that will help you meet your nutrition goals through delicious, amazing food. So we're so excited to bring her on. Well, before we jump in, we want to say a big thank you to our sponsors of this episode. This episode is all about optimizing our nutrition and being our healthiest selves. And our sponsors today fit in so beautifully. Their purpose is to empower us to be our healthiest selves. And so a big thank you to Gaim and to Caraway. Caraway is a brand I've been absolutely loving. They make chemical-free, non-toxic cookware and bakeware collections that are absolutely stunning. They're gorgeous, so gorgeous that a lot of people have them out on the countertops in their in their homes. They are a modern design. They come in a beautiful array of colors. I have the sage green pots and pans and I absolutely adore them. I do keep them out on my countertop and all of their pans actually come with a really neat storage system that enables you to store them vertically. Um, which is kind of a game changer because all my life I've kept my pots and pans under the cupboards and I have too many and I can never find what I need and I'm clanking and clinging around and it just kind of raises my stress level as I'm trying to cook a healthy meal. And now there's no more of that. I just slide out the pan that I need (laughs) from its special spot on my counter. It's beautiful. It is non-toxic. It's made with ceramic rather than chemicals to have that non-stick factor. Things just don't stick to it. You can cook tofu or any of those things that would normally stick to other pans and it just slides around beautifully and they're so easy to clean. So I absolutely love them. They're also more eco-friendly than other alternatives. And if you want to check them out, you can visit carawayhome.com slash plant-powered kitchen. And you can actually take advantage of a limited time 10% off your next purchase that they're offering specifically for our listeners of the Plant Powered People podcast. And to do that, just visit at carawayhome.com slash plantpoweredkitchen or use the code plantpoweredkitchen at checkout. Thank you so much, Caraway. We also want to thank our sponsor, Gaim, who has been a leader in the fitness industry for over 30 years, and I have personally benefited from their products. I started out during the pandemic with uh, their home gym kit, which basically gets you started with an ab wheel and a jump rope and some push up bars. And I was so hooked that I got one of their really thick yoga mats. They have a ton of yoga products if you're into yoga. And I also got some weights and some resistance bands. And 
kind of took over my whole living room with a mini gym. My poor husband, he really doesn't like clutter, but I think he appreciates how Gaim has gotten gotten me out of the out of the sedentary lifestyle that I had been living and feeling comfortable working out within our home. So if you were or are like me and how I was and just need a little bit of motivation, you can have an accessible workout in your home. Uh, check out gaim.com, G-A-I-A-M.com to see all their products whether you like yoga or if you want something more active or even if you want to start meditating, you can check them out at gaiam.com. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to the Plant Powered People podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to chat with you guys today. We are excited to chat with you too. We hung out with Catherine recently and got to um, get to know her in real life. And she's so nice. And I think you're going to do a fantastic job sharing all of your experience and knowledge and education with our audience today about basically the, the 101 of nutrition, the very basics for people who are uh, wanting to focus a little bit more on their health. For those who don't know a lot about dietetics, can you explain what a registered dietitian is? Yeah. So a registered dietitian is a health professional that provides evidence-based nutrition guidelines, recommendations um, to help you meet a specific nutrient need. So like, for example, if let's say you got diagnosed with high cholesterol, you would likely want to meet with a registered dietitian to discuss, you know, how you'd want to change your lifestyle habits to help either reduce that cholesterol or help prevent any further complications down the road. Um, so that can look different for everyone because obviously everyone's in a different nutrition space. Um, so some people might have cholesterol issues. Some people might just want to find out like, Hey, am I actually eating enough of what I need to make me feel my best? Um, and that's where a dietitian can definitely help. That's, that's very helpful. I actually, um, I grew up not realizing that food was anything more than to fill my hunger and to taste good. And so I, <laughs> really appreciate having credible resources like yours on the internet. Uh, for those who don't know, Catherine, her handle is plant-based RD. And, uh, and that is so very forward about what you're offering and your food is also so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> before I jump in, I actually wanted to mention this um, before I continue jumping in regarding the health and wellness aspect. But Something that you also talk about that I really appreciate and that you've already mentioned is that you grew up eating Dominican food and on your journey to tweaking things to be healthier, you have not given up your cultural food and it's something that you still enjoy and remind others that they can enjoy as well. So thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you. No, I I absolutely love making that the forefront of what I do because I oftentimes feel like 
one of the biggest challenges that people face, especially when they go to adopt like a vegan lifestyle, is that they often feel that they have to, you know, quote unquote, give up everything. And it's probably further furthest from the truth, um, mostly because if you think about it, a lot of what makes a lot of our ethnic cuisine comes down to flavor. So, you know, if you're thinking about flavor compounds, there's way to there's ways to at least like um, manipulate something to make it taste very familiar or to kind of give it the you know familiar childhood feelings that you get when you bite into something, and that's super important for me because that can ensure that people are enjoying what they're eating and they don't feel like they have to compromise who they are to enjoy that food. I bet you your background actually helped a lot uh, having your own experiences with having your food and your culture be so connected. Uh, I bet you that helped a lot in the work that you were doing before you were a full-time content creator online. Uh, can you tell people a little bit about what you were doing, helping people create meal plans and become healthier? Yeah. So um, at the beginning of my career, I focused on one-on-one -on -one nutrition counseling. So what that entails is that um, someone that's looking for nutrition advice, they would be coming to me for all that evidence-based information. And they would sit with me one-on-one, -on -one, usually for about an hour to kind of discuss what they're eating and, you know, look to me to provide guidance and help for them to start changing some of their habits. Um, and usually we discuss like what those specific habits would be, because a lot of times it's more than just telling someone, oh, you need to eat more fruits and vegetables, <laughs> like as much as that would be great. Um, sometimes individuals need more than that to succeed. So if they really do need, um, like, let's say a, um, like a change up in what they're doing entirely, you have to kind of walk them through the process of how they're actually going to go about doing that too. There's so much information on the, on the internet and it's, it's hard to know who to follow and uh, what should people be looking for when they are researching online? Is it the, the RD? Yes. So I think that's a really good point. And um, for a lot of people, most, I would say, usually kind of don't think of the RD credential when they're looking for nutrition, you know, information. Um, most commonly, what I'll hear from people is that they're either looking for a nutritionist or they might even get advice from like their doctors, for example. Um, but those individuals might not always be the appropriate people to go to. Um, and I know like a nutritionist sounds like the obvious thing that you'd want to look for, but um, not all nutritionists are certified the same way that RDs are. So Registered dietitians have to go through um, specific schooling, and by 2024, we're actually going to probably require about seven years of education, plus um, there's also like the um, internship aspect of it where we get hands-on um, experience. So we have like a specific certification process that goes through that makes us experts in what we discuss and talk to individuals about. So it's really important to make sure you're getting 
that type of information from the correct individual because some nutritionists might not have those certifications or they might not have as much experience. Um, And that doesn't mean that every single nutritionist is the same, but it means that you have to be a little bit more careful about where you're getting that information from. Um, Because some people might not have that experience and might share information that could put you in harm's way. So it's really important to know who you want to actually get your information from. And it should always come from a qualified health professional. What is the difference between a new... Okay, so what is the minimum requirement for a nutritionist? And then what background does a doctor have in nutrition? Yeah, so um, that's a great question because usually nutritionists don't have a requirement to call themselves a nutritionist. Technically, anyone that's talking about health and wellness, even if they are using it based off of their own anecdotal experiences, they can oftentimes call themselves like a nutrition coach because they are speaking on nutrition topics. That's why it's it's really important to know who you're getting your information from because you don't know the level of experience that they have. Um, And when it comes to doctors, it's not that all doctors do not know anything about nutrition, um, but a lot of them do not get a lot of nutrition education within their scope of practice. So unless they're, you know, going out of their way to learn more nutrition information, a lot of times they, they too will kind of create a lot of um, contradictions in the nutrition space. So like, for example, if someone goes to their doctor and their doctor tells them, oh, you need to stop eating white foods because you were diagnosed with diabetes they'll come to me afterwards and tell me they are no longer eating any white foods. So this could be like potatoes, bread, all of this stuff when they likely don't have to do that at all. So, you know, kind of thinking of how much people trust their doctors too, it becomes really challenging to also change that mindset because that trust is already set up. So that's why it's very important to know that these individuals might not always be the best people to go to for nutrition advice, especially because they don't always get that guaranteed nutrition experience during their education. The exciting thing is that not only is, I feel like the registered dietitian field kind of exploding because so much more awareness is happening around the power of food and what we're eating and how that can impact our health and well-being and even disease prevention and all that, but also the plant-based registered dietitian kind of community seems to be growing a lot. There used to be just a couple when I first went vegan, a couple vegan registered dietitians that you could find. And it's really helpful to find a registered dietitian that like gets it, you know, and is going to help you support uh, your your goals while also helping you be as healthy as possible. But now there just seems to be so much more in that space. Have you found that as you've been on this journey that you're not so alone anymore? (laughs) Yes. Um, I think that's the really exciting part about the dietetic field right now is that a lot of people, even if they aren't necessarily 100% plant-based themselves, a lot of them seem to be really kind of like picking up on the fact that they need to be educated in this space and they are 100% more willing to support individuals that are looking to follow a plant-based diet. Um, So they're out there, they're growing. It makes me happy because it means that, you know, I can kind of 
spread the wealth in terms of like, hey, you can go to this person or this person um, versus feeling like, oh gosh, there's only like a handful of people I can, <laughs> you know, share, uh, you know, the dietetic space with. And it just makes it so much easier to help more people with having more professionals in this field. All right. Speaking of people who are interested in receiving more information about what they're eating, we have some common questions that come up all the time when <laughs> when you're when you're vegan in general, but also they can be really um, really genuine. People really want to know them. But also sometimes people are trolling you and they want to know how you get your protein and uh, and things like that. So we wanted to cover some of this information and I'd love to start with protein because that is what vegans hear the most often. How do you get your protein? And, uh, and so what is it and why do we need it? Yeah, so protein is kind of like a building block for us. I know a lot of us tend to think about like muscles, like that's usually the biggest thing that most people will use protein for is to build their muscles. But um, protein is really important structurally for a lot of different functions in the body. Um, so you can imagine that if you are deficient in it, you might feel differently, you might feel like less energetic, you might even feel like um, you are kind of like more lethargic than normal. And oftentimes you can feel very weak. So um, that's something to obviously pay attention to, but it's a lot easier than most people think. Like you're not going to just suddenly become protein deficient if you start focusing on plant-based nutrition, um, mostly because plants have um, protein and and typically, as long as you are replacing your major protein sources that you were previously consuming, um, you will be able to, um, you know, meet your protein needs pretty easily on a plant-based diet. So you're saying instead of eating the chicken tacos, if I'm eating lentil tacos, that would be a good substitution? Yes. So okay. that would be perfect because um, typically when we think of like, significant sources of plant-based protein, we want to be aiming for things like our beans, our lentils, chickpeas, um, tofu, tempeh, seitan, um, any vegan um, meat alternatives also work really well to help meet those protein needs. And they're great replacements for things that you might have enjoyed previously. And how often do people have protein, protein deficiencies? It's something that comes up so often in the world of vegan living, uh, especially from non-vegetarians. Non uh, but how common is it? It's not very common. Um, typically, when we think of people with major protein deficiencies, these are individuals that are like pretty much starving themselves. So um, this could be a relation to like people, for example, in a third world country that don't have access to as many foods or protein-rich foods that we would. Um, or this could be an individual that might be, um, like dealing with an eating disorder. Like they can definitely hit those protein deficiencies pretty significantly. 
Um, with more minor protein deficiencies, like I was talking about previously, those things are not like you're going to be at death's door, (laughs) just more of like, you're probably going to notice that you haven't been feeling your best, um, when you're not eating enough of it. One of the things that I noticed a lot of people saying when they first go plant-based is that they do feel like lethargic or tired. And my first question to them is, are are you eating enough? Because since mm-hmm. like plant-based foods are oftentimes far lower in calories, it's just, and people are swapping like the same quantity of food on their plate. It Oftentimes it seems like they're just not getting enough calories. And when they start eating more, they're like, oh, I feel better. And so I'm wondering if there's like, there's protein in almost all plant-based foods, right? Unless you're getting food with the, the protein extracted out of it. So generally, if you're eating like enough calories, do you have to, how, like how much do you have to actively think about it? I haven't really thought about protein in like a decade and a half. And I don't think I've had a struggle with it. So how, how challenging is it, I guess? It's not challenging. Um, it's more so just changing your mindset. I think usually one of the biggest pitfalls that people get into when they, um, you know, start following a vegan diet is not realizing that one, they should be swapping out protein and not just taking it completely off of their plate. And then the other thing is that a lot of plant-based foods, they have a lot of fiber to them. So usually for the amount of fiber that a lot of foods have, especially like, you know, thinking about like beans, fruits, vegetables, all that in combination, especially if you have that all on your plate, you might feel full but you might not be getting the same amount of calories that a regular plate of like, you know, let's say it's like beef or potatoes and things like that on your plate. Um, So you have to be kind of conscious of just making sure that you are um, focusing on kind of looking at your plate almost like a pie. So if you split that pie right down the middle, half of your plate should be filled with like some type of produce. So it'd be like your vegetables, fruits, like those types of things. And then on the other half of your plate, if you are splitting that, that half in half, then half of that should be your protein. So it could be your beans, tofu, all those good protein sources. And then the last part being your starch. If you kind of go with that most of the time and remember, you know, with nutrition, If you don't hit like your carbohydrate needs, for example, on one day, it does not mean that you're going to become like, you know, instantly deficient. Um, If anything, you just want to make sure that on the regular basis, like most of the time you are hitting those nutrients as much as possible, and that's going to prevent you from falling into a major deficiency. Is there reality behind, I hear a lot of people saying that um, the vast majority of people in our society who are not plant-based get far too much protein. So when people are thinking of replacing it, can they keep that in mind that maybe they don't need to be exactly replacing it if they've been getting like twice as much as what they need? Yes, there's definitely been an overemphasis on protein. Um, So a lot of times most people are eating way more than their body actually needs. Um, So usually kind of like a safe range for most individuals is kind of using your own current weight to use that as a means to kind of calculate what your protein needs are. So typically for like, let's say um, an average person, um, what we do is we'll calculate like what their weight is and then, um, you know, use that weight multiplied by 
um, kind of like our protein factor. And then that will give you how much protein that they would need. So it's kind of very individualistic, but like, let's say you have like 125 pound person, they're going to probably need around like 56 ish grams of protein. Um, so it's not a lot as, you know, some people would think like a lot of people might feel like they need to eat double that, but technically you'd be totally fine consuming less based on your weight. Um, unless you're like an athlete or you have a major injury or something like that, that would increase your protein needs significantly. Usually most people are way over consuming what they actually need. So it's kind of like a waste. Right. I like the plate visual because it's easy to visualize like a quarter of your plate versus trying to calculate yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and think that much yeah. about food. Okay, cool. Uh, really quickly, if anyone does get the protein, protein question, one of the ways that I usually respond to that from people asking you like, where do you get your protein? How do you, how could you possibly be getting enough protein on plants? It's helpful to remind them about a lot of the biggest, strongest animals on the planet and how they're plant-based. Yeah. So elephants, rhinoceri, <laughs> like all yeah. these different super strong gorillas. animals, gorillas that are getting their protein from plants. So yeah, totally possible. And so awesome to have resources like you, Catherine, who can help people figure out exactly what they need if they do feel like they're not getting enough or they want to just kind of be really thoughtful about the protein that they're getting. Let's jump into the next big one, which is B12. This is something that most people hear about when they're going vegan. It's like the one nutrition thing that people need to pay attention to that everyone talks about, vitamin B12. So why is that something that's harder to get on a vegan or plant-based diet? And what do people need to know about vitamin B12? Yeah. So vitamin B12 is something that is actually developed as like a byproduct from like microorganisms. So if you think about where these microorganisms actually live, they, they typically will live in like the soil or like vegetation. Um, and most often, like you'll also find it in the flesh of animals that are eating those microorganisms. So, um, when you are eating meat, you don't typically need to worry as much about like B12, unless you have an absorption issue, which is a completely different topic. But um, typically when it comes to um, like B12 found in microorganisms, like we're typically not eating it because we're not eating off the, the dirt. <laughs> like we're not uh, typically eating dirty food either. Like we'll wash it off. Like we have a very sanitized world where we're usually not consuming those things on a regular basis. So it's one of those nutrients that I highly, highly recommend that people supplement with. And there's a lot of different options and a lot of cheap options. Like it does not have to cost you an arm and a leg to, um, you know, get that B12 and meet those needs. And it's important to meet those needs because B12 is really important for a couple of different factors. Like one, it's really important for our metabolism. It's also really important for um, our, our iron and blood status in general. So if you find yourself dealing with vitamin B12 deficiencies, you can actually become anemic because of it. And you can also develop neurological damage. So that's that's definitely a serious one that I recommend people try to avoid doing. Like obviously when you are going or, or transitioning immediately to plant-based, I will try to get people into the habit of taking their B12. 
but you're not going to get a B12 deficiency like immediately. <laughs> like once you kind of just like hop into plant-based eating, um, usually we have a lot of um, B12 stores. So most people will not even notice a deficiency if they're not taking their B12 um, right away. It could be anywhere from like within a year or even five years that someone might not um, develop any symptoms at all because of their storage levels. But at the same time, if you get into the habit of doing it immediately, as soon as you start eating plant-based, it will take away like any worry or doubt or anything like that too. Um, another thing to also realize is that outside of supplementation, you can also get B12 from like fortified foods. So those foods can also be very helpful um, to kind of give you extra backup um, along with your supplement because um, you know, as much as I would want everyone to be hundred percent perfect with their supplements, you know, there are those days where you either forget or you might not take your supplement and having those backups can be really helpful just in case, um, just to kind of cover your bases as needed. I actually have a, a question about this because we, mm -hmm. we chatted with, uh, someone about mental health earlier in the season and, mm -hmm. um, and he talked about how, figuring out what he was in deficient and really helped him feel happier. And so it inspired me to be more um, thoughtful and intentional about taking my, my vitamins. But yes. uh, I am not brand loyal. I use, I have a ton of different vitamins that I take. My husband gets a lot of vitamins from grocery outlet uh, based on what's inexpensive. And actually right now I'm taking uh, Candace's Candice from Edgy Veggies B12. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but is there something that people should be looking for when they're looking for B12 supplements or yes. any supplements for that matter? Yeah. So, first thing with supplements um, that I'll always recommend is, especially with any like major dietary changes, it's always a good idea to just check where your blood levels are for a lot of these nutrients. So, if you go to your doctors, just say that you are following a plant-based diet and you want to um, take a look at your B12, vitamin D, like all those types of things, um, just to kind of see where your markers are. And based on that information, you can discuss either with your doctor or a registered dietitian to see what they might recommend in regards to um, like what you actually need supplementation-wise. Um, the great thing about most supplements, and this is not all, but most supplements usually are pretty regulated where you don't have to worry too much about like overdosing on them, which is good. Like if you take a multivitamin, if you follow the package instructions, you should be totally fine. Um, however, there are going to be supplements that some people will take that are either unnecessary and there are some that if you overdo it, like that can also not be good. So a good example of that would be iron. Um, so the best thing to do is consult with your health professional, but also just take a look at the package um, for your supplements. So if you're taking like a B12 supplement, um, you might notice that uh, the supplement will have like above a thousand or even more uh, percent in terms of like your daily requirement for B12, but that's actually normal for B12 because um, we usually absorb like less than like 1% of it. Um, so you need that really high dosage for us to actually absorb enough of it. 
Um, and that's where it's helpful. Like if you get confused with those, you know, package instructions, like definitely go to a health professional just to kind of confirm. Um, but usually those recommendations should be okay for most individuals as long as they are taking it based on their health plan. I lived without healthcare insurance for quite mm-hmm. some time. And I also didn't have a lot of money to to pay out of pocket. And so there were times where I felt ill and I just felt like there's no way I could go, go to a doctor. I can't afford it. Are mm-hmm. there any resources off of the top of your head that you can recommend to someone who may be in a similar position who may want to go get their blood tested or talk to a health care professional or a dietitian, but may not have the financial resources? Yes. Um, so good resources to know off the top of your head in general would be resources like WIC. Um, so WIC is a program, um, that actually helps families, but also, um, it does help women, um, that are, either with children or planning to have children um, that don't have a lot of those financial needs available to them. And they can pretty much get a lot of nutrition education from um, registered dietitians, as well as like some other supplemental resources, which can be really helpful. Um, So those would be like, uh, that would be a great place to start. Um, a lot of community programs too, like for example, um, I live on the East coast and, um, I actually used to work as a registered dietitian at a grocery store and our services were hundred percent free. Like they were covered by the um, grocery store. So I know a lot of grocery stores, including places like Kroger, for example, and then, um, I believe there's like a couple of different um, grocery chains also like in the South as well that do provide um, registered dietitian support. um, And a lot of them are affordable to the community that they serve. So you can actually, at least at the grocery store I used to counsel at, um, you could meet with a dietitian for an hour for free. Like we would help you go through the grocery store, you know, pick out foods and things like that. And it was great to have that resource because pretty much it was open to anyone. So like anyone that just didn't have the means or support to go to um, like their healthcare facility or anything like that um, on the regular, they could come um, for nutrition advice for free. Um, When it comes to blood work, um, one thing that I remind people is that if you go to like a like blood draw center, this could be like a lab core, or it could be a quest diagnostics. You can actually individually order specific blood tests and those can be, um, still affordable and, um, still things that you can order, even if you don't have health insurance. So if you're really, really struggling, like you can get those blood panels, um, for fairly cheap, like they're cheaper than you would think that they would be, especially in terms of like blood tests, obviously like more complicated blood tests are going to be more pricey. So if you're looking for like a specific nutrient, like let's say zinc, which we don't normally look at on a blood panel, then that would be something that would probably be more costly. But uh, for your standard blood panel, things that will look at iron, for example, um, those would be things that you can kind of purchase 
pretty um, affordably with no problem. Michelle and I actually used um, one of those services. I forget what it was called, but we went into, uh, we, we booked it through some other service that was low cost and went into a Quest Diagnostics and, yep. uh, and were able to get uh, someone's cholesterol and glucose levels tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name was Raul and we, we had a, a mini document mentry called seven days, uh, which is really good if you haven't seen it and really inspiring. But anyway, uh, thanks for sharing all those resources. I do want to continue to, uh, omega three fatty acids. Yes. So omega three fatty acids, there's, um, there's a lot of preliminary research out there. Um, and my best recommendation is to either one, take a supplement because if you think about like most omega-3 rich foods, like you have to be pretty okay with consuming those regularly to kind of meet your omega-3 needs. So like, for example, um, foods that tend to be high in omega-3s would be things like, um, seaweed, uh, chia seeds, hemp seeds, flax seeds, walnuts, they tend to be higher in omega-3 fatty acids. Um, but I know not everyone wants to eat those foods on the regular. Um, like I don't know anyone, um, outside of myself that would willingly eat like sea- seaweed all the time. So like, um, uh, if you're not into those types of foods, it's probably a good idea to potentially supplement that as well. Uh, for vegans, you'd want to stick to an algae based, um, omega-3 supplement. And then especially for, women that are looking to be pregnant or are pregnant, it's helpful to make sure that you are also going for omega-3s that are rich in DHA and EPA, which is really important for like the brain health of your growing uh, baby. So that is something that's always really helpful. Um, A lot of products now too are um, fortified with those omega threes. Uh, so that can also be an easy way if you can't always get that, or if you don't want to take a supplement, um, and those things are still attainable. You just have to make sure that you're looking at the fortification of different products. Awesome. Okay. Let's jump into another big one that we get asked all the time, which is calcium. So many people think Mm -hmm. that the only place you can get calcium is from cow's milk and that you need milk to get strong bones. Um, Can you help educate a little bit about the reality of calcium, what it is, why we need it and where we can get it plant-based? Yes. So most people will know calcium as being like an important mineral for bone health. It's not the only one, which I think is really important to kind of state that you need multiple minerals in order to support healthy bones. But um, when it comes to calcium specifically, um, I know a lot of people will say milk uh, being one of the primary sources, but I think a lot of people forget that plant milks are also fortified typically. Like you have to obviously look at the package of the milk that you are drinking. If you're making your own homemade milk, like from almonds, for example, it's not going to be as calcium rich. But at the same time, I know a lot of people will kind of say that those foods are not superior. They're like not good enough. But if you think about regular cow's milk, regular cow's milk is also fortified with like a lot of these nutrients. So 
it's totally okay to use those fortified foods. Um, is it possible to get the calcium from plant-based sources? Yes, it is. It's a little bit more challenging because you have to just kind of pay attention. So like, for example, you can still get a lot of calcium from things like some of your green leafy um, vegetables like bok choy, um, Swiss chard, kale. You can also get it from like different nuts like almonds. Um, you can even get it from seeds like tahini. Uh, those are going to be really rich sources of calcium. And you want to just make sure that you're eating them regularly. So like if you don't eat those types of foods on a regular basis, you're likely going to fall short. So that's where the fortified foods can be really helpful. Like for example, two cups of a fortified milk, um, like let's say it's almond milk, for example, you can um, meet at least like two thirds of your calcium needs with just using that. And if you are eating beans and your dark leafy greens and all these other nutrients, a nice varied plant-based diet, you should be able to meet your needs pretty easily. Um, and you don't have to drink it straight. Like if you cook your oatmeal in the morning with milk, or if you are stirring those milks into like some of your recipes, you'll be getting the calcium from that too. Awesome. Okay. Let's move on to iron. Um, why do people need iron? What is iron? And this can be a trickier one to figure out how to get vegan. So let us know your tips. Yeah. So, um, in terms of iron, iron is a mineral that you find in a lot of your mineral rich, um, plant-based foods. So it's going to be things like tofu, beans, um, dark leafy greens, anything that has like a nice deep rich color typically is very rich in iron. Um, blackstrap molasses is another one. Um, a lot of our nuts and seeds are also going to have some iron to them as well. And iron is really important because if you've ever felt like a constant like state of tiredness, it could be a result of not getting enough iron um, because iron deficiencies usually lead to anemia, which is um, kind of like an iron deficiency that... Um, I think the best way to kind of like put it without getting like super, super technical is that we have a lot of iron in our blood. And when that iron tends to dip really low, it messes with our ability to kind of like get enough oxygen. It messes with our ability to form like appropriate blood cells. And those things are really important, especially for energy. So if you're feeling lethargic, you know, that potentially might be like a sign or symptom of something like that. Um, and iron is something that's also potentially challenging, but also something that could be very easy for people to get. Um, the challenge really comes down to gender. So like if you're a male, you don't need as much iron as a female would need. Um, and a lot of that has to do with like menstruation. Like when we're losing blood, um, regularly, like we end up having a much higher um, iron need than um, male would need. So, uh, just as like for comparison, um, like it's 
I believe it's like three times more uh, what you actually need iron-wise for a woman. And then when you're pregnant, you even need more. So typically for like the range for men, it's like eight or nine milligrams of iron, whereas a uh, adult female would need like 18 milligrams. And then pregnant woman would need anywhere between like 30 and 40 grams. So there's a much more significant amount of iron that you would need depending on the point in your life cycle as well as your gender. Um, but you can definitely meet those needs, um, with food. You just need to make sure that you are eating those iron rich foods. That's where like beans, especially like in conjunction with protein, like if you're eating that plate that I mentioned in the very beginning, um, you know, a lot of those mineral dense foods that would be in each of those categories will help you make sure that you're hitting your iron needs. But typically, especially when it comes to iron, um, absorption is also a key factor. So um, being able to help make that iron easier to absorb will also make it easier to hit your needs. So that can include like squeezing some lemon juice over your lentil, um, over your lentils. Um, I know Tony, you mentioned like the lentil tacos in the beginning, like squeeze some lime juice over that and you're going to absorb a lot more of that iron compared to if you didn't do that to begin with. Um, and this is also important for, um, you know, like let's say cereal. So if you do oatmeal or even just like a box cereal that has, um, iron fortified in it, you can eat it with some fruit and that fruit will likely have vitamin C in it, which will help you absorb all that iron that you just consumed. Thank you. For the rest, we're going to do a bit of a, a rapid fire. Mm -hmm. uh, so more brief, concise answers that um, will help people understand the importance, but we, we feel like we've covered the really, really mm -hmm. Important and most commonly asked questions about um, things like B12 and protein. Mm -hmm. So vitamin D. Yep. Just supplement that. That is um, one thing that if you are not getting a lot of sunlight, it's definitely important. But um, usually that or any fortified foods are going to be um, rich in vitamin D. You just need to make sure you check the package for that. Just the nutrition facts area. We actually, really quickly, we actually talked about this with um, with someone before, and I didn't know that if you have darker skin and you're relying on sunlight for vitamin D, that you have to stay in the sun longer. Yes. That's probably one no of the reasons. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I always recommend just supplement vitamin D because everyone is so different in terms of like their exposure, but also skin variations definitely play a big part in terms of like how much you need. And a lot of people are actually deficient in vitamin D and they likely don't even know. I was uh, living in Cleveland when I was in college and I was talking to a doctor there uh, and he was saying how the majority of his patients are vitamin D deficient because they never yeah. are out in the sun when it's just winter time and gloomy. And so he, yeah, he's like, every, like pretty much everyone should be supplementing this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what about vitamin A? Yeah, vitamin A is um, interesting on a plant-based diet because technically, unless it's coming from like an actual vitamin source, 
you're likely going to be consuming a lot of beta carotene, which is like a precursor to vitamin A, but your body will still be able to convert it. So really want to focus on your fruits and vegetables in this category because a lot of your fruits, especially like your really beautiful, like red, orangey kind of um, uh, fruits, they tend to be very high in that beta carotene. So if you think about beta carotene, like the carotene part, think carrots. Like I, I know a lot of people will say like carrots have a lot of vitamin A, that vitamin A is really helpful and very easy to get. Just make sure you're eating at least like um, four to five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. What about vitamin C? Vitamin C is super easy. If you eat at least like one orange or I would even say like kiwi, most fruits, you will very easily hit your vitamin C for the day. And you can technically still get vitamin C from some vegetables. Just note that when you are cooking anything that might have that nutrient in there, it's likely going to denature it. And what that means is that you're going to kind of reduce the amount of vitamin C that you'd be able to absorb. Fascinating. Um, Okay. Iodine is one thing that I didn't think about for like the vast majority of my life. And then I realized (laughs) that I was eating salt that was not iodized. Like I was eating only Himalayan sea salt. And a friend was like, Shell, you really need to watch out for your iodine. So what, what is iodine? How do we get it? Yeah. So iodine is very important for thyroid health. And that's why it's a major concern for most individuals. Um, You really only need between like a quarter of a teaspoon to half a teaspoon of iodized salt. So what I say is you can still have Himalayan salt. You just want to make sure that you're not completely just cooking with that only. Um, So just add a little bit of iodized salt and you should be okay. And if you're not really good at that, I know like sometimes the iodized salt can be a little bit more minerally tasting. Um, You can always do a supplement for that as well. Are there other foods that contain iodine? Yes. And it's likely the ones that people don't want to be eating. So uh, it goes back to like the sea, uh, seaweed, like seaweed typically is um, a good source of iodine, but you'd need to eat it pretty regularly. And, you know, again, I don't know a lot of people that are doing that. Um, so if you're not really a big fan of that, then you're probably good just using the table salt if you can. Awesome. Okay. So salt and supplements for iodine. What about zinc? (laughs) Zinc um, is also another mineral that's really important for like metabolism. Um, That one you can meet pretty easily by doing um, like a bunch of seeds. So pumpkin seeds are really high in zinc and um, you can also get zinc from like fortified cereals. You can get that also from your beans So it's in a variety of different sources and that's where like having variety in your diet can make it very easy to hit that with no problem. Okay. I feel very inspired. I, I eat a a very pretty well-rounded diet, but I don't think about it ever. And just this conversation (laughs) inspires me even more to be like, man, just taking a multivitamin (laughs) really (laughs) takes the pressure off. Um, okay. One other thing we wanted to touch on was phytonutrients and antioxidants, which I think is something that maybe vegans don't have to worry so much about because we're eating a lot more whole produce and fruits and veggies and everything, but what's the importance of that? And what should people keep in mind, even if they're not vegan and maybe how, what they might be missing out on there. Yeah. So if you think about phytonutrients, um, the beginning part of that phyto is 
usually directly meaning um, like plant, like photosynthesis, kind of like think of it from that perspective. Um, those phytonutrients are loaded with um, antioxidants, nutrients that are going to help prevent a lot of like oxidative damage to your body. So um, it's important to consume those pretty regularly. And that's one benefit from thinking of either like fully plant-based or even if you're thinking more plant forward, there's benefit for including those types of foods in there. Um, one thing that I think people miss out on is that while I did mention fruits and vegetables being like a prime area where people can get these nutrients, you can technically get it from a lot of other plant-based foods. Like I don't think a lot of people know this, but um, like a can of black beans, for example, has almost just as much um, antioxidant powers like blueberries, because blueberries are usually a big one that people kind of mention. And things like red beans actually have even more compared to like blueberries. Um, and then if you think about things like corn, most people would not think of corn as being like a very nutritious food, but it's actually loaded with a lot of nutrients and antioxidants. So you can get a ton of antioxidant power from um, like corn uh, in general. Obviously, if you're getting like potato chips or like corn tortillas like uh, that are like uh, fried, those are probably not the best source of your antioxidants, but typically from um, things like your fruits, vegetables, like your unprocessed whole foods, like those are going to be loaded with a lot of antioxidant power and you don't need to eat too, too much of it. Like usually eating your normal portions and making sure that you're incorporating some of those things on most of your plates is going to make sure that you are getting enough of those nutrients to protect you. Awesome. Wow. This is so helpful. Is there anything else that you think is really important to bring up, especially for newer plant-based eaters that may not be incorporated in these kind of primary vitamins and nutrients? Yeah, I think a big thing that people forget about is that um, you don't have to eat perfect all the time. Like I think even kind of uh, talking through some of these nutrients, it can seem like you have to eat like very regimented every single day or you're going to kind of like drop dead or something on the floor. And that's not the case. Um, if anything, the goal is to do most of these nutrition recommendations most of the time. So a majority of your day-to-day -day that's going to be like your average day should include some of those, uh, should include most of those nutrients. Um, at the same time, if you feel like you're struggling or if you're not meeting those needs, you can always discuss this with a registered dietitian just to kind of see, okay, what's stopping you from consuming those nutrients um, and finding ways around it. Because for example, some people might not be able to afford a lot of fruits and vegetables, and that might discourage them from wanting to hit, you know, um, or at least like try a plant-based diet, mostly because they feel like they're going to become nutrient deficient because of it. But you could find out that, hey, beans will cover a lot of those nutrients that you might not always get if you can't afford blueberries all the time. Or, you know, hey, it's totally okay to eat corn. You're actually going to get a significant amount of nutrients and fiber and things like that from there. So it's totally okay not to have to spend so, so much to hit all those nutrients. Like focus on what actually is within your means and you'll likely be still okay and fully nourished that way too. 
<laughs> Tony and I keep muting and unmuting ourselves because that's how we usually indicate who's going next. Tony, do you want to go? Uh, sure. <clears throat> Catherine, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us and our audience. I feel really inspired to get get it together. I've I've been I've been celebrating the holidays since I started creating content for them in <laughs> July. So uh, I could really use some vegetables in my life, <laughs> and uh, and I'm 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 always thinking that my husband is strange for wanting me to. I do all the grocery shopping since since I do so much food content creation, and he's always like, "Can you get some really?" new and exciting produce and he likes to vary it up to get them the max amount of nutrients Mm -hmm. and after talking to you today I find some validity in what he's asking for now and uh, and so I'm going to make more of a priority to vary it up and not be such a creature of habit I love to eat the same things all the time because they're my favorites and they make me feel good and uh and I'm gonna make more of an effort. So thank you for that. And can you tell people where they can find you? Yeah. So, um, you can find me most active on my Instagram uh, page and that is at plant-based RD. And if you are looking for a place to find all my recipes while I do keep them on Instagram, sometimes it's a little bit hard to find, especially once I, um, keep posting, like some things will kind of like go to the wayside a little bit, but, um, you can always find any recipe that I'm making on my actual blog, plus a lot of nutrition articles. So if you want a little bit more of a comprehensive guide on iron, for example, I have that on my blog and that is plantbasedrdblog.com. Thank you so much. And, uh, everyone go check out Catherine right now. (laughs) Thanks, Catherine. We are so grateful to have had that chat with Catherine. She is not only extremely knowledgeable in nutrition and really compassionate in the way she delivers her information, but she's also incredibly kind. And Michelle and I are so happy to call her a friend. I want to give you all a quick reminder to check out our sponsors of this episode. The first one is Gaiam. It's your home for yoga and fitness equipment, anything else to get your body moving and to make sure you can have everything set up at home so you can take action on the fitness front and be healthy in that way. You can find them at Gaiam.com, G-A-I-A-M.com. And then also don't forget about Caraway Home if you want to give your bakeware and your cookware a little uplift. <laughs> you can find them at carawayhome.com slash plantpoweredkitchen. And you can use the code plantpoweredkitchen at checkout. Thank you so much, Caraway and Gaiam. If you are hungry for more nutrition information and resources, we have a ton of them for you on worldofvegan.com. We actually have a guide to plant-based and vegan registered dietitian dietitians. So you can see a whole basically Rolodex of different plant-based dietitians that all have slightly different approaches. They're in different locations. Most of them see clients remotely. So if you did want to meet one-on-one with a registered dietitian and get some custom hand-holding, 
uh, to to help you out with your plant-based lifestyle. Uh, that is a great, great resource. I will link to it in the show notes. But then we also have all sorts of specific nutrient guides that are written by vegan registered dietitians about B12, about vitamins. Um, is a vegan diet healthy for children? That one's written by Dr. Reshma Shah, who is another guest on the podcast, a vegan pediatrician. And, and more. So be sure to check those out. We will link them all in the show notes as well as all of the resources for Catherine. Definitely reach out to her and follow her on Instagram for lots of fun inspiration and very valuable information. Thank you, Catherine, for all you do. Thank you everyone for listening. And we will talk to you in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>